Our first reading is from the book of Ecclesiastes in the fifth chapter. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to this hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. He is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this evening from the letter to the Hebrews in the fourth chapter. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Sincere, or since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in this time of need. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you are able in honor of the gospel. And our gospel reading this evening is from Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. And Jesus said to them again, Children, How difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. We would usually invite our young ones up. Our youngest are a little too old, I guess, to come up tonight. So, would you please join your hearts together with mine in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us, as you have claimed us as your own, as you have uh, worked out our salvation in Jesus and then baptized us into him, into his death, into his life, into his resurrection. We pray, Lord, that at this time you would move by your Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and hold on to us in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A question for you. Have you ever locked your keys out of your house? Okay, kind of nodding your head, most of you. Those of you that haven't, there will come a day. I want you to think through the thought process. You go to go in the house, hit every pocket you've got, and you realize maybe they're in the car. Then you go and realize they're not in the car. And uh, maybe it was just you went out to get the mail and the door shut behind you and it's locked. And so you think, there's a key under the mat. I know there's a key under the doormat. At least there used to be a key under the doormat. Maybe I gave that key to a friend when they came over to watch the dog. And so you're wondering, and you lift up the floor mat with all the hope in the world, and there's a little dust mark of where a key used to be sitting under the floor mat. You say, all right, the key's gone. What window have I left open? Let me go look around the house. So you walk around the house looking for a window, looking for a way to enter. And while you're walking around the house, you realize that your windows that you have in your house also have locks on them. And you're trying to remember exactly how far that window slides before it hits the lock that's on the frame because you wanted everything to be secure so no one could get in, except now you're the one that needs to get in. So you start wondering, does it open this far? Does it open this far? If it opens this far, can I get through that window that far? And so you come around, you finally find a window that's open, it's left open by one of your kids or something, and you find out that there is a screen in front of that window, and you remember, shoot, screens are meant to take off from the inside, 
Man. All right. Well, you grab a stick, pry open the screen, and realize that it's fine. You'll just have to buy a new screen. So you take the screen off, and you look, and you slide the window a little further, and it hits that lock that you thought you had on the frame on the inside, and you start to see maybe you can make it through and realize that 20 years ago maybe you could make it through. But it's not happening anymore. So the wheels keep turning. How am I going to get into this place? How am I going to work my way into this place? And you remember that at one point in time, you had the brilliant idea to find a hollow rock and put it in the midst of all your other rocks that you have in the front of things. So then you have to go find the one that is the hollow rock and not the real rock. And by the time you find that, you realize that there's still no key. Then you wonder, could I take a rock and break a window? And at that point, you start to give up because you realize that's going to be too expensive to break. And so you sit and wonder and wait. Trying to get into these places on our own is difficult. Sometimes impossible, right? And we hear Jesus as he's talking to the disciples. And remember, this is a conversation that started last week as the rich young man had come to him with all of the proper things, the proper bow, the proper worship, the proper title, even the proper works in hand and said, Jesus, look at all of these things that I have done. Look at all this work that I have accomplished by your word. Look at all of these things. How do I inherit the kingdom of God? How do I work my way in? Look at all that I'm bringing. And he says, none of it counts. You don't get in. Drop it all. Don't trust in it. And then follow me. And the guy left away, disheartened, sad, down-faced, however the wording goes. He left. We really don't know what happened to him later. It's a question that's left in the gospel. What happened to this guy? Did he finally hear the words? Did he finally follow? Did he finally come to the realization that all the things he had were not going to help him inherit the kingdom of God? Did he finally let them go? We don't know question we can find out in eternity one day maybe but as jesus turns from that section he looks across his disciples and he says how difficult it will be for one who has riches who has wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven so we start wondering well i don't have that much money so i guess i'm not in that category right so I don't need to worry about that because I know it's paycheck to paycheck and so I know I'm dependent upon other things, but think how well off you actually are. Don't limit it to money. Think of the things that are brought into your life, riches that you have, the wonders that you have, the gifts God has given you to use, the things that you enjoy from day to day. How many times do we depend upon those things? to bring us our own glory, our own righteousness, our own works that we can then hand back to God and say, hey, you gave me some of this as a blessing. And look, I'm bringing it back to you to show you how good I did. Did I get in? Am I doing all right? Can I have your approval now? Do you see me, Lord? Look at all I've done. He says, no, because that's still not quite it. Remember in this conversation, if you go back even further from last week, Jesus has been talking to his disciples and as they would bring questions about who was greatest or who needed uh, things the most or what life looks like as a disciple, he would continually bring a child in to the mix and he would bring a child into the midst of them and he says, here, 
this is the one that we serve, the one that is dependent, the one that needs everything. And they're saying, no, we're independent. We're able to handle things on our own. What do you mean that I need to care for them? What do you mean that I need to care for somebody else? I have to work things out on my own, Jesus. And he says, no, you need to care for these ones who need me. You need to care for these ones who need to be taken care of. So he continually points back to children. He brings children in. And then now, in the conversation is, he says, how difficult, difficult it will be for one who has riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're all amazed. And he says, children. Not teaching about children anymore, but actually naming the disciples. Children. You. You who think that you're able to do it on your own. You who try so hard to be independent. You who have all of the gifts and the riches that God has given you, yet you use them for yourselves to show God how good you are. You, child, how difficult it is for a person of wealth and riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's always fun to look at that. There you go. There's a needle. How are you going to get a camel through there? Hair by hair? What would you do with it on the other side? How would you rebuild it? How would you bring it back together? And then we'll hear in some commentaries, okay, it's not the eye of a needle. It's a gate somewhere. If you want to soften Jesus' hyperbole a little bit and make it a little more easy to wrap, or a little more easy, a little easier to wrap our head around, it's fine. But either way, the camel's not getting through it. It really doesn't matter what hyperbole you look at. And when you look at Scripture, it simply says it's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle. Okay. So like a baby camel? A one-hump camel? A two-hump camel? What are we talking about here? Because that's tiny. And then someone will say, well, needles were bigger in that day. <laughs> they weren't camel size. It's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle. It's easier to get that mass of an animal through that tiny a hole. And Jesus says, that's easier to do. So Peter rightfully says, well, then who can be saved? You can imagine him just throwing his hands up in the air and saying, there's no possible way that anybody can be at that point. If it's not somebody who relies on their riches, which we thought were all blessings from God, and we thought that they had it all together, if that person can't be saved, and it's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle, that's impossible. And he says, you're right. It's impossible for man. But all things are possible with God. Possible camel to get put through the eye of a needle because God's the one that can make it happen and resurrect it on the other side. It's possible for God to get a rich man into heaven because he's the one that can focus the heart. It's possible for God to get a sinner into the presence of a holy God, which a sinner has no place in being. It's possible for him to take you from death to life, from sin to righteousness. It's possible for him to take you through that very eye of a needle and drag you out on the other side and call you his child because it's exactly what he's done to you already. It's exactly what he's done to you in your baptism as he buried you into the death of Christ and brought you out on the other side resurrected, brought you out on the other side with Christ's righteousness wrapped all around you through that cross-shaped needle. He has brought you into his presence, into the kingdom of God, which is yours 
now. Not something that you have to wait for into eternity, but something that you are in the midst of at this moment. That promise is yours, given to you by the work of Christ, given to you by the work of God through Him who died for us and rose for us, given to you in the Word, given to you in that baptism, and placed into your hands every time you're up here and receive communion. Every time you are up here and receive that flesh and blood of Christ in your hands and the bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith, you are not only reminded, but you are handed over the righteousness of God for your forgiveness and salvation. It's impossible for us to do that on our own. But all things are possible for God. The possibility of being in His presence in eternity. And it's not something we have to hope for or wonder about or say maybe it's going to happen. Maybe that's a possibility. No, it's yours for sure and certain because we can point to a day and time where Christ worked it out for you. And you can point to a day and time where those promises were washed over you in your baptism. And you can point to that moment and say, no, God did the work. He brought me through and there is no way I could have done it on my own. And now he puts me in a position where I don't have to take those gifts and try and prove myself to him, but he puts me into the midst of a family of mothers and brothers and sisters and cousins and lands and houses and gifts and everything else, no matter what persecutions come along to test that faith, he puts me in the midst of those situations to share riches and righteousness and glory and gifts with all the people that are near us. Now, in this time, with all the struggles that come along, and in the age to come, all those things remain, but into eternity, into the presence of God, because of the work that He has done for you in Jesus. Done. Accomplished. Sure. No more eye of a needle to look at. In fact, Scott, would you bring up, there's a graphic of an eye of a needle up there, just so we can look a little bit again. You're already on the other side of that. There is no wondering whether or not you will be brought through that. You have been given the kingdom of God. It's yours in Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have made sure and certain for us, that we would not have to wonder about it at all, but know that you have made us your children, that you have claimed us by your word, you have given us the faith to trust those promises, and you continually hand over to us forgiveness and salvation in the sacrament. We pray, Lord, that you hold on to us throughout the week, that you focus our eyes upon the work you have done for us as you send us out to share all those riches and gifts with all those who are near us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you rise as you're able? And we God, having been given that gift of redemption that we've that the pastor has been talking about, I ask that you let this song be a prayer for you as a way to say thank you. <laughs>